Symphony of Shadows, Second Movement, Guillaume Destel, F equals MA, Phrase 3. Ships incoming, Derby alerted Woods and pointed forward. Coming from the south, Render foe, asked Woods. Hard to tell from this distance. Red, those yours? The woman sat on a rock and spat. I don't have a goddamn robo-eyeballs like you, asshole. How am I supposed to know? Gerda lifted her rifle and stared through the sight. I know these ships. Transporters from the Firefox. Woods felt his stomach tighten. With no protection? They may have captured Red, but until they arrived back at the Firefox safely, there was still a lot of chaos to settle. Any thoughts of the Pontifex's offer to pardon the pirates and make him governor were far from his mind. They were trapped on an alien planet, and all he could think of were the dead Novas, Lieutenant Rashid barely hanging on to life, and his old friend Sornois being stabbed and left for dead. The piece of paper in his coat was meaningless right now. There's another ship approaching from the east, Derby whispered. Definitely one of Red's. Red perked up and looked eastward. She raised a hand over her eyes to shade them and squinted her eyes in concentration. Aye, that's my pack. Wolves must have disobeyed orders. What did you tell them to do? asked Woods. To head back up to space and get the party started? You might want to patch me in before they do something stupid, like shoot down those transport ships. Woods opened a comms channel to the ship. Stand down, we have Red, unharmed. We would like to keep it that way. I'm fine, boys, Red coughed. Well, I'm in quite a bit of pain, but I'll be fine. We've sorted it out. Head back up to the fleet. Sorry, ma'am, responded one of the men. We won't leave you behind. Heartwarming, mocked Woods. We are heading to the Firefox. Follow our course if you must, but stay back. Over and out. Woods opened another channel to the incoming transporters, sending our location. As he did, Woods noticed the battery in the Nova suit was running dangerously low. Of course it is, he complained to himself. The transporters touched down, and Gerta shared a few pained embraces, but was quickly ushered on board by a doctor. Need a lift? Woods asked Red. Red stood shakily, but got her balance. Such a gentleman. But I'll pass. Red spat again, holding her side, and limped to the transporter. The rest of them boarded the ships. Once they'd safely lifted, Woods removed the Nova suit and strapped it down. Then he removed his pistol and sat across from Red. He wasn't going to let her out of his sight. Yerto was to Woods' left, and a medic tended to her wounds, but he was less concerned about her. Oh no, a gun, Red mocked. Never had one of those pointed at me before. I'm pissing myself. Shut up. Still a little sore about earlier, pretty boy? Get over it. You won. The Divine Republic won. You'll get your goddamned control over us with that charming smile and your tight little butthole. Shut up. That is, of course, if we can ever get back home. Won't matter much if we're stuck here forever. Isn't that right, Gerta? Listen to Woods, Red. Shut the fuck up, Gerta barked, before he shoots your ugly face off. Red looked at Woods knowingly. Oh, but he won't. That's why this is so much fun. So long as I'm not a threat, 
he won't kill me. He made a promise not to kill me, and he's got to stick with that because of the stick up his ass. Woods took the pistol on his knee by the barrel and lifted it. I can always use the other end. Do it, Red commanded unflinchingly. Woods' hand tightened over the gun, but he breathed and released the tension. He wouldn't let her goad him into making a mistake. Red looked to Goethe. See? So much fun. You got a plan, pretty boy, to get us back home? Woods' eyes involuntarily flicked over to Trigger, the crew member Cybell had handed over his pistol to. Woods wasn't certain, but he had a good idea that the pistol was going to be key to their travel back to the Constellation Sector. Immediately, he recognized the mistake and tried to make it look like his eyes were just wandering. Luckily, Red's attention had shifted back to Goethe. Of course he doesn't have a plan. Who would have a fucking plan for this shit? Nax has a plan, responded Goethe. He'll get us back. What's his plan? asked Woods. I would like to know. I'm not really aware of the particulars. She winced as the doctor began bandaging her arm and leg. A fancy way of saying you have no God's damned idea, Red laughed. Know who's got a plan? Red does. What, drink ourselves to death? asked Gerta. Shut up, Red. I mean it. I've been thinking. Why not just stay here? I mean, it's been a shit show since we got here, but most of the hostility has been some simple misunderstanding between friends. Not the planet's fault. Gerta gave a sneering laugh. Do you know how to make booze red? Once the stores run out with your consumption, it'll be a week at most. You'll die from withdrawal. Ah, we'll figure it out. I'm a survivor. Put me in any situation and I'll figure out how to get by. Fuck the Divine Republic. Red looked right at Woods. And why did they send your ass to make the negotiation anyway? Because of my relationship with Sornwa. They believed I would have the greatest chance of success. It's been what, almost... Thirty years since you and Sornwall last spoke? That wasn't the only reason, pretty boy, and you know it. I... Of course there's another reason, Red interrupted. Who would risk their life to deliver a message that was more than likely going to be rejected outright and sent back with a couple bullets in your back? Even if you did pull off this miracle, so what? You'd be governor. Red put a refined accent on the word. Governor of what? Our shithole in space? They're going to close the gate. Woods was surprised at the volume of his voice and also confused to find himself standing. What? Gerta asked. The DR plans to close the gate. They sent me to make one last effort at finding a peaceful solution, but they have little hope it will work. If anything, they were hoping I'd be able to buy them some time to evacuate anyone they think valuable enough. Red laughed. You're fucking with us. She looked at Gerta and pointed to Woods. He's fucking with us, right? They wouldn't do that. It's not worth... You underestimate their conviction. Gate technology has improved much in recent years. Finding sectors of the universe with the resources humanity needs to spread is becoming more science than guesswork now. Do you see how collecting yourselves so densely in one area has made you strong, but has also left you vulnerable? Reports are that the rebels have congregated in the Constellation Sector as well, even if the Republic can't find them. If they destroy the gate, the Republic will have effectively removed two of their most powerful enemies. Red went from concern to relaxed in a moment. She lay back in her seat and put her hand behind her head cockily. 
See, Red's got the best plan. If we stay here, we won't have to deal with that shit. When are you planning on closing the gate? Asked Goethe. I wasn't told. Only that I would update them once I made the contact with you all, said Woods. And when did you last report to them? Asked Goethe. After I spoke with the Pirate Council, 48 to 72 hours ago, Woods had lost all sense of time, but that felt about right. And since there is no way for you to respond, they probably think we killed you, added Goethe. Red laughed. So they might have already shut down the gate while we've been stuck here. Doubtful. I was on an encrypted channel with the Republic on Earth, as my mission was highly classified. It will take at least two days for the transmission to reach them, and there's a protocol to follow. So how long do you think we have? asked Goethe. Another day if we're lucky, perhaps more. I'm sure the local Republic officials will notice Providence is missing, but they'll have no clue why. I'd imagine they would suspect some ruse and proceed cautiously, but eventually it will become clear that you are all gone. If that's the case, there may be no need to close the gate. There's no way to know for sure. But the sooner we get back, said Goethe, the better the chance we have of not being totally cut off from the gate. If we're stuck here or stuck there, what's the difference? Red asked. Let's find a beach somewhere and call an early retirement. Knox has a plan, repeated Goethe earnestly. Knox has a plan, mocked Red. Goethe sneered at Red and stood. She went into the pilot's cabin. You know about these woods? She asked. What? He asked, standing to join Goethe, but keeping an eye on Red. She smirked and winked at him. Woods looked outside and could see the Firefox and Sornois's ship pointing guns at one another, while several specks of gray flew between the two. Well, they haven't attacked one another yet, mused Woods, and they must know we're on our way. I'm sure it's fine. What's going on? asked Red. Sornois here, said Goethe. Looks like we'll have the whole gang, most of the council anyway. That bastard actually lived, Red shook her head. I really fucked this whole thing up, didn't I? Gerta sat next to Red as they were descending. More Jazzy's faults than anyone. She's the one who started this whole mess. Who is she? asked Woods. The name sounded familiar to him for some reason, but he couldn't place it. I've never heard of her. That's because she's a bounty hunter who's got history with Knox. She's a no one who makes a clusterfuck wherever she goes. And how is this her fault? asked Woods. Because she was the one who found the drive. She stole the information off some guy named Genoa. Genoa? asked Woods. That name he did recognize. Yeah, some old nutjob spec ops mercenary with half his face covered in metal. Why, you know him? Elias, Woods whispered. What is that? asked Gerta. So Jazz stole the drive from Genoa? asked Woods, considering. More or less, nodded Gerta. And if not for that drive, none of us would be here right now. Aye, interrupted Red, but we still be fucked if pretty boys to be believed. And Jazz, uh, what did you say her family name was? asked Woods, ignoring Red. What is it about that name? I didn't, but it's Izuro. The name was like a floodgate to a river of memories. 
It took all his composure to not let his face show the surprise he felt. It couldn't be, Woods thought. It must be another Azuro. In his gut, he knew, though. It must be. Why do you ask? continued Goethe, more than a little suspicious. Luckily for Woods, the transporter landed on the dock of the Firefox as Goethe asked her question, and he ignored it. Up, he said roughly to Red. She stood slowly, milking the time. She was injured, but Woods could tell she just wanted to be difficult. Goethe pushed past Woods as he continued to stare at Red. There was a soft grunt that caught Woods' attention and saw that Goethe had stumbled and grabbed a hold of Trigger for support. Well, asked Red, bringing Woods' attention back to her. What are we waiting for? Pretty boy need a moment to reapply his makeup? Woods responded by flicking his pistol, motioning her ahead. I wouldn't be a gentleman if I didn't let the lady go first. Chauvinistic pig. I'm going first because I'm more important than you, asshole. You're just along for the ride. Time to let the adults figure this out. You think that you'll have any say in this? You think you will? I've got a huge force upstairs who will listen to me, whatever I tell them. What have you got? All your precious Novas are dead or injured, and the last suit's only a pile of junk if you can't recharge it. Believe it or not, you're not a part of this decision, pretty. Red flicked his nose. Boy. Red turned and walked briskly out of the transporter and into the hangar. Herta was already speaking with a larger man she seemed to know well. As Woods approached, he tried to take in the scene. There was a lot of movement, and it overwhelmed his senses. His eyes scanned when the sight of a person caught his attention, familiar amongst all of the faces. His eyes twitched over the place he'd seen the face, but he didn't seem to recognize anyone. Captain Woods, this is Wyatt, our quartermaster. Goethe introduced him to the large man. Woods pulled himself away from the search. An honor, Woods extended his hand. Wyatt took Woods's hand in his own bare paw and shook it energetically. I've been briefed, he said, releasing Woods's hand. Knox is meeting with Sorn Juan Cybele. He's giving me orders to keep you here until they're done. If you need any medical care, I'll have you taken to our infirmary. I'm fine, but you'll need to lock this one up, Woods pushed Red forward. Don't treat the man like that, someone shouted from behind them. Woods turned to find four other people he didn't recognize, followed by armed members of Knox's crew. Boys, boys, Red purred. I appreciate the sentiment, but I've got this handled. Don't worry. Red coughed and spat phlegmy blood. The four people raced over and surrounded her. Woods wasn't quite sure how to react, but neither Goethe nor Wyatt looked concerned, so he lowered his pistol. You said Cybele and Sornoir are meeting with Knox, Woods asked. I should really join them. I have information they really must know. Captain said no bothering him for any reason. Any. You hear that? Wyatt crossed his arms. Told you so, pretty boy, Red chided. The adults are talking without you. You've been excluded as well, sneered Woods. Enough, roared Goethe, and then buckled slightly. Wyatt looked at her. You should really get to the infirmary, Goethe. I'm fine, she groaned. You'll be of no use to him if you're in this state. You've done enough for now. Get some rest. Got it from here. Goethe looked to Wyatt and growled. All right, but watch these two. Goethe pointed to both Woods and Red. They're one spark away from killing each other. Wyatt smiled. 
I promise if anything happens, I won't stop them. Ha ha, very funny, mocked Red. Maybe ease up on the red meat a bit, you pink-faced chode. Madame, are you insulting my princely figure? Wyatt asked sardonically. Woods' attention had wandered to the crowd again. I could have sworn... There it was again. Woods started to walk. Hey, where are you going? asked Wyatt. Should I stop him? He looked at Gerta. Just uh, keep an eye on him. He's mostly harmless. Don't let Red or these other knuckleheads go far. I'll keep a tight leash, Wyatt grinned at Red. The conversation drifted away as Woods entered the fray of the moving people. His head swiveled around, looking for a ghost. The name Azuro clanged in his head like a crashing cymbal. Over and over again it rang. Then he turned, and there she was. Amira? Woods uttered, then louder. Amira! The woman turned imperceptibly. So you really are alive, he thought. Yet she ignored him and moved. Woods pushed someone in front of him aside, and in that moment, she was gone. Am I going mad? He asked himself. It had been some time before he'd slept, but... There she was again, heading toward the exit. Woods pushed forward, trying to run after her. She was out of the hangar door, out of sight for a few moments. He made it to the exit and looked outside onto the deck. There were several ships, but again he had lost track of Amira. He scanned the area, but it was not Amira's ghost that caught his attention. The Shadow's Edge. Woods whispered the words to himself. Izuru. Wasn't that Nebu and Amira's last name? He thought. Woods considered. And Jazz must be their daughter. Had the Pontifex sent them? Hadn't Gerta said this was all Jazz's fault? That she'd stolen it from Genoa? The name Elias Adabigo took after Sornwa got his revenge on him and fled Kaladi's service? Woods suddenly felt very small, barely even a pawn. He looked toward Red, who was knocking back a few laughs with her crew members. Wyatt joined in with some jibes of his own. The fact that they were laughing sickened him. People had died, and Red was responsible. How could she be forgiven so readily? Even from this distance, he could tell she was mocking him. He was alone here. Red was right. He was an outsider. Woods looked back out at the deck, and he noticed a woman looking right at him. It was Amira, plain as day. He started to walk toward her. Amira, why are you running from me? I mean no harm. I still consider you a friend. The woman put a finger up to her lips, silencing him, and then motioned him to follow her onto the shadow's edge. As if in a trance, he glided toward her, and soon he was climbing the ramp onto the ship. There she was, in the flesh. Woods reached out to touch her. She plucked his hand out of the air and held it. It is, and I am very sorry. For what? asked Woods. Amira's other hand flung out and grabbed Woods' free hand. She gripped them tightly while a shadow appeared over Woods' shoulder. He made to turn, but before he did, something hard smashed against his head and he crumpled to the ground. 
In his days he was dragged up, his hands and feet were secured as the world spun around him. By some miracle he stayed conscious. When he was finally able to open his eyes, he saw both Amira and Nebu standing in front of him. Why? Woods groaned. Because he has to die, said Nebu. Who? What is happening? asked Woods. His vision sparkled black spots. Amira sat next to him and put some gauze to the side of his head. Sornwa, she said matter-of-factly. Woods struggled against his bonds, but they had him trussed tightly. We are sorry, Woods. We know you and Sornois had a soft spot for one another back then, but he has to pay for what he did to us. I don't know what you're talking about. Woods struggled again, and pain shot along his skull and down his neck. Still, he writhed. Sornois killed him, said Nebu distantly. Sornois in that bastard Avery. Killed who? Woods strained against the bonds as hard as he could, and then all of his energy flushed away. Amira put a hand on his and looked at him. Our son, Woods. He killed our son. And now, after almost forty years, after being marooned on this planet for all this time, we finally have our revenge. So you just sit here. We'll give you some water and some painkillers. And we will wait. You don't understand, growled Woods. You can't kill him. Not now. If you do, everyone could turn on each other. We could all die. We don't care, said Nebu. And what about your daughter? Do you care about her? Amira and Nebu looked at each other, then back to Woods. She'll be fine, as long as you... All of them turned at the sound of steps coming up the ramp. Nebu took the gauze from Woods' head and stuffed it in his mouth. Woods? Wyatt's huge form filled the entrance. He came in to find the scene as it was. Woods, a prisoner, and Nebu still holding a pipe. What's going on here? Amira stood quickly and took Wyatt by the hand, turning him around. Thank else you're here. This man was following me, and then he tried to attack me. Do I know you? Wyatt asked. Woods writhed and spat until the gauze came out of his mouth. They're lying, he coughed. Wyatt turned around. Shut up, said Nebu, while Amira pulled his attention back to her. They attacked me, Woods spluttered. They're going to kill. Nebu slammed the pipe down as hard as he could on Wyatt's back. His bulk absorbed a good part of the blow, but as he slouched from the force, Amira pulled his hand down and lifted her knee, knocking him hard on the chin. He toppled like a bag of rocks. Nebu came down on him with the pipe again, but somehow Wyatt kicked out and caught Nebu off balance. Woods renewed his effort to break away from his bonds. Like a feral animal, he shouted, putting everything he had into escaping. Wyatt had somehow managed to stand, throwing Amira like she was a doll. Nebu came at him again with the pipe, but Wyatt snatched it from him like it was a toy. Wyatt lifted the pipe, ready to smash it against Nebu's skull, but then his eyes went wide and he abruptly dropped the pipe. Wyatt's hands went to his back and brought them to his face. Woods could see the blood there. And then he fell over. Woods could make out a mirror closing the ramp, a pistol in her hand. What have you done? shouted Woods. Nebu bent down to check Wyatt's pulse and shook his head. 
He looked towards. This is on you. All you had to do was keep your mouth shut, and this... The responsibility is mine, said Amira, her voice like a whip. Woods could see tears swell under her eyes, but her face remained still. Nebu raised his own pistol to Woods' head. We should kill him too, now that he knows. No, Amira pushed his gun down forcefully. He was a friend, and he's done nothing wrong. We killed this man because we had to. Once Sornois is dead, we will pay our price, husband. But there is no need for Woods to suffer for our sins. Woods watched, horrified, as blood pooled on the floor of the ship. Nebu opened a medkit and pulled out a syringe. He rifled around some more and filled the needle with a clear liquid. He sanitized the spot on Woods' neck and pressed the needle into his skin. Woods felt the cool liquid enter his veins. Time you take a nap, Woods. When you wake up, this will all be over. Don't worry. Woods' brain screamed as his eyes grew heavy. He struggled to stay awake, but it was not a battle he could win. His screams turned to whispers, and then they were gone, left with only the blissful silence of night. Symphony of Shadows is a production of Synapse Radio. Written, produced, and performed by J.S. Rose. Follow us on Instagram at Synapse Radio and Twitter at Connect2Synapse. That's the number two. Or visit our website for all things awesome, synapse-radio.com. Synapse Radio.